How you guys doing today, Magic Family? This is your host, Mark Karaki. Excited to be bringing you yet another episode of the podcast. This week, I had the honor and privilege of sitting down with Martin Nielsen, CEO and co-founder of Dundo, the number one music streaming platform on the continent of Africa. 8.7 million monthly users, 100,000 artists on that platform. Fantastic story of an entrepreneur who found a space that he was passionate about. And that is what kept him going. Uh, and the cool thing about the story is that Ndundo went public, uh, IPO'd in September of 2020. So company was launched in 2011 uh, in Nairobi. And nine years later, they listed on the Danish Stock Exchange. So this is a fantastic story of a very practical, down-to-earth uh, founder and, he, and his journey. We spoke for, about, for an hour and we could have talked for more. Uh, I will definitely be bringing him, asking him to come back for a part two because, you know, we, we didn't cover as much ground as we would have loved to cover in this particular episode. So this is a fantastic one. So enjoy the podcast. Well, Martin Nielsen, welcome to the Chinia Maji podcast. How are you doing today? Very good. Thank you. Very good. Thanks for having me. As we were talking before offline, you're currently in, in Lagos uh, and, uh, you know, uh, I was just reading on the news that you guys inked a big partnership with MTN uh, Nigeria. Is that right? Yeah, so we have, uh, we have agreements with, with MTN here, with Airtel here. Uh, we also have with Vodacom in, in Tanzania, which uh, mm-hmm. in, in essence, all of it is sort of a, it's a, it's a partnership where we create a product together with them. And, and that's, that's super exciting. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, both Airtel and MTN are massive, uh, massive companies over here and have very big uh, footsteps in uh, in Nigeria, so it's awesome to work with uh, with companies like that. Yeah, yeah, they give you scale instantaneously. I'm really kind of uh, fascinated by by Ndundo and your story, and um, I want to kind of dig into that. And I'm sure the audience is 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 curious as well. You launched this thing in 2011, 2012. Yeah, 2012. And that was very early for uh, for a streaming music service. I think Spotify launched maybe 2012-13? They launched a few years earlier than that, so I think it sort of got off the ground around 08, but it was definitely early in the sense that there was not a general acceptance of that they had figured it out yet at that point. Right. And uh, I think there is right. very much now and a general accept mm-hmm. that they figured it out. So it was early mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, there was definitely some big moves within music globally. There was a lot of new... Uh, people are starting to see it as a, a new way of things to move, um, but the acceptance of streaming, uh, even globally, was not at the same level as it is now. Uh, that's, that's for sure, right. and definitely not here. Right, right. And they went through their challenges with all the music, uh, music companies. I mean, they pushed back very hard. Uh, you know, I've listened to their founder talk about that, that journey, uh, but, but obviously now it's more accepted. I guess yeah. the question I have for you is, what was your journey like in terms of just you know, encountering or dealing with the music industry. Uh, obviously, you are more focused on Africa as a market. What, yep. what was that experience like? And who, you know, maybe you can talk about that. So, so I think, I think Mdundo was started more of the, because we accepted that there was a really big problem, more than that we accepted that we had a really good solution. So we basically, we basically, uh, I was, I was working at an investment fund at the time called uh, 88 miles per hour. I was interning with them. So working is a, is a strong word. I had just arrived in, in Kenya, like a month prior to, to the initial and doing the discussions. And, um, I, the fund is also uh, owned and ran by some, some Danish folks who were really excited about the growth, uh, especially in mobile tech in Africa and wanted to, mm-hmm. to have a, a piece of that. And, and, and wanted to see what can we, what, what, there's some interesting opportunities in investing in, in Africa at the moment. And so um, being Danish and being Scandinavian, Spotify was, that, that was one of the countries where Spotify was very early on. So it's obviously a Swedish right. company and it was, mm. it was picked up quite early on in, in Denmark. And, and I think even now the numbers in terms of sort of penetration rates and especially paying subscriber penetration rate is is very different in Scandinavia for Spotify than all over. Mm. And so mm. I think we had sort of accepted the fact that this is, uh, this is a solution and embraced this as a solution as a, as a way of, 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 uh, of accessing music and seeing the transformation from 
pretty much 100% illegal consumption, which was what happened from between 2000 and 2010, most of the time, right. to actually right. seeing, okay, there is a way for us to get people into consuming music legally again in a way that actually can benefit uh, the industry. And so arriving here, uh, well, in Kenya, and, 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 and sort of having conversations with musicians that we happen to meet random places and so on, we just... We just we could recognize the problem. We could recognize the problem of that the artists didn't feel like they were getting paid, but their music is being played everywhere. They have very few channels, um, and 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 the user experience wasn't that good either. Like I think that's the same with the illegal platforms. It's not like it was the easiest thing in the world to download stuff from Pirate Bay, um, but people just sort of find our way around it and learn to deal with 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 it that way, and so. I think it was the acknowledgement of that there must be there must you must be able to create something within this space that will make the a much better experience for the user that will benefit the artists and the reason why this would be possible is because of the massive internet penetration that we are seeing and has been seeing since then as well that sort of created right. that opportunity fantastic so basically spotify was was something you had been using for for a few years right being scandinavian yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. And Definitely. then you, you came here and you're like, wait a minute, uh, for one of a better phrase, well, we need a copy and paste scenario here, which I would do the same thing, right? Uh, yeah, you yeah, for market definitely. opportunities and you're trying to solve problems. Um, so that's fantastic. So that's that became the inspiration for from Dundo, right? You saw a need that you basically had been solved in, in, in your in your market or where you, where you grew up and, and you wanted to do the same here. Um, and... Congratulations on the success. I mean, you guys listed last year on the Danish Stock Exchange. That's fantastic. And we never heard about this. So why was it so, so quiet? <laughs> we, none of the big periodicals picked it up. I, 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 well, it's not like I, I hear everything, but I was quite surprised to find that out. Yeah, well, I don't think it was that quiet. I think uh, last year was a year where um, I guess Corona took a lot yeah. of attention for most people. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> I think I think uh, I think both both the IPO and, and and previous funding rounds and and all kind of other sort of news in and around Mdundo. I wouldn't say we've been quiet, but I, I like I like walking around and figuring out our own problems. And I maybe don't spend mm -hmm. as much time in other people's space than maybe uh, mm -hmm. like sometimes for the good, sometimes for the bad. There's a lot of things and very super exciting things happening in the tech space and in and in and in, in music and in, in Africa that. Uh, I hear from people, other people around, way later than it happened, and maybe I should right. uh, be uh, looking a little bit more into the world and be a part of of that and know what's happening and technologies and all that stuff. But, but quite often I think I have a nature of uh, I want to focus on my own my own people and my own problems, um, yeah. and so so I don't think necessarily we were we were not loud about it. I just think we we didn't spend a lot of effort bragging about it, especially not before. <laughs> like you want to make sure that it's going going to go through properly and right. i think the second right. that the, the second that all the pieces has gone into places and and that we actually listed um we did brag about it um, and 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 the other well, the other part of it is that going through such a process is a is a very hectic and a very it requires a lot of focus and mm -hmm. um we don't we didn't announce the the process up until only two three weeks beforehand because basically mm -hmm. how it works is you do a, you do a massive roadshow before you list mm -hmm. and that roadshow you need to get subscri subscriptions into the to people want to buy the share right and mm -hmm. um, there's some minimum targets both in terms of amount raised and number of subscribers that you need to get in for the listing to be successful mm -hmm. and i think from a marketing mm -hmm. perspective from a marketing perspective it was our uh, uh, we were very clear around that it's the, the, le the, le the less we say before those two weeks start, the more we keep it confidential mm -hmm. before those two weeks start, the higher the chances that we can create maximum attention around it within those two weeks. So for that Makes reason, sense. we didn't really, we didn't yeah. say we kept it completely confidential up until the day we announced it. From the day, from mm -hmm. the day we announced it, we had 10 very hectic days where we actually uh, advertised the stock. Uh, and luckily, we were massively oversubscribed and it wasn't an issue in the end um like they, they, it was very well received and literally 20 days after we announced that we were a listed company and we were on the exchange so the process is extremely Fantastic. extremely quick and extremely sort of intense in that sense 
So, so there is a business reason why we didn't brag much about it as well. No, it makes sense. Yeah, it's a strategy and making sure that you don't leak and lose momentum. Um, so, so congratulations on that. I mean, it sounds like almost like I don't know, like a, like a fairy story, right? If you think about it, right? You see a problem that has been that ex- you, you you see a solution that you love where you're coming from. You come to Africa or any market for that matter. The problem exists there. And you take a run at it, and nine years later, you're listing, right? That's what people dream about uh, doing in terms of building, solving problems, right? In terms of uh, being, being able to take a run at something and make it successful. Um, but I'm sure it's not as simple, and, and as Ferry tell us that, there's a lot of ups and downs in that process. Um, yeah. So I guess the first question I, I would ask for you is, why Africa? You know, in 2011, I think, is, is when you, you arrived here, 2012. Mm-hmm. What were you coming? So, and I have a, I have a, an American friend, uh, and she says, uh, she says, you know, Westerners either come to Africa, either they are running away from something, or they have the savior complex. And she, she says, this is it is not my <laughs> it is not my invention. Uh, yeah, what was your story? What what brought you here? <laughs> I'm not sure which one of those two I am. I I think I think um, it was a lot of co- coincidence to be honest. Um, like back mm-hmm. in back in 20, 2011, 2012, uh, I was studying in, the, in London, and uh, as a part of my degree, uh, I had a chance to take a gap year to do some work. So basically, you, you stop mm-hmm. your degree for one year, and then you, you work, and then you come back to your degree, and you get some extra credit for that. And it's just, for me, I just, I'm a bit of a practical person, so I like to sort of get my hands dirty a bit, and so I, I opted in for that. Um, and most people do it with some management consulting firm or whatever in London. And mm-hmm. I sort of had a taste for travel and I wanted to see the world a bit. Um, and so mm-hmm. I was sort of thinking it, wouldn't, it would be quite amazing if I could do this and at the same time live in, like, try and live in a different place. So we actually get this sort right. of gap year in a different place. And I actually didn't have Africa sort of narrowed down. I'd never really been here much. Uh, I think I'd done a, a small sort of visiting experience prior. Uh, but, but I didn't really have particularly Africa as a goal. I looked for opportunities in Asia. In, uh, in America, in, in South America, mm-hmm. in, uh, and in Africa. And I mm-hmm. came across this Danish guy who was starting at this investment fund here and thought it sounded really cool. Like he, he, he had obviously um, uh, took, run some successful businesses in the past. That's where the funding came from. And mm-hmm. he had a, a bold vision. He wanted to invest in 40 startups or whatever across Africa. And mm-hmm. um, so, so I just sort of thought, okay, that sounds fun. I, I hooked him up on LinkedIn and I told him I want to work for you. Uh, I don't know if you have any positions, but can I come down and and uh, and, and 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 do some do some work? And and, and luckily he said yes. Um, and then after arriving, I think I, I think anyone who's sort of been arriving into the Africa tech space, you get very instantly hooked on the very uh, the massive amount of talent. Uh, and believe in that it can change things. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they insane growth rates all over. Uh, like people have literally moved from uh, no access to payment to mobile money and no access to the internet or any sort of infrastructure that the internet has sort of solved with one sort of right. uh, almost like a, a magic trick. Uh, a lot of issues have sort of been resolved when you get online, it's access to information, yeah, yeah. Uh, access yeah. to e-commerce. Um, uh, all kind of different issues are just solved at once, and so I got kind of hooked on that, um, and 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 yeah, that's that's really what excited me. It was more the market, mm-hmm. it was more the feel mm-hmm. and the vibe that was here. Um, so I don't think I ran away, uh, but maybe I, maybe I did. Um, I also don't think I'm here to save the world, uh, but I if I do it in my journey, I don't mind. Uh, but it's not, it's never the plan. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what? So what? What drives you then? I mean, you were, were you were you in business school? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. What were you trying to do with your life? I was in business school before. Uh, I was twenty, maybe twenty-one years old at the time, uh, and sort of in business school as we were starting the business. And mm-hmm. I have a love for the music industry, and have always had it. So as a kid, I would play yeah. instruments. My first sort of essay about what you want to be when you grow up that was a little bit more serious was about managing artists, and so I sort of had a. I had a feel for that space. Never that, like I had no experience, but I had a passion for it. Um, right. And and I guess a kid, I would work as a stage technician, like doing sound and stuff like that. Like when I was a teenager, so so uh, carrying ca- carrying carrying mic stands and and stuff like that. So 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 I had a feel for that space. Um, so it wasn't 
it was a natural fit in terms of passion point. Otherwise, I don't think you can get through it. You need to you mm -hmm. need to love what you mm -hmm. do. Otherwise, uh, as you're saying, nine years might sound uh, magical, but it's a long, it's a long freaking time. It's a, um, <laughs> yeah, you need to you need to have some sort of passion within it. Um, but yeah, so so that was sort of it. And then and then I think to be honest, at the time the goal was not to start a business. At the time, I was sitting in a room with a, a musician, a fund manager, and his boss who had successfully exited businesses before. And I was 21, and we're discussing music, and they're asking if we should start a business together. And I'm the one who'll probably run it. You're not gonna you're not gonna say no. <laughs> like it kind of feels like. Uh, all the right pieces are there. Uh, the initial right. funding round was there. Like even though it was a small amount of money, uh, the very first initial round was there. The, the experience was there. The know-how was there. Um, I would have liked to work five, ten years before I started my own business. So I tried other things, but right. the opportunity was just too good to say no to, and then it just right. got better over time. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. I mean, yeah, it sounds like all the stars were aligned for you to actually. Bring Buduno like to it. life nine years through through that period. It seemed like it. It felt that way, and it also felt the way of you know what. If it's not going to work out, uh, then it's, that's going to be an amazing uh, story to try out. Like as I said, I was still right. in uni, so I kind of expected it maybe not to succeed that much, and sort of figured, <laughs> okay, if I if I do this for one two years and that is the end of it, then I go back to uni and I finish my degree. Yeah, yeah. that's that's a, that's an interesting. Uh set of options that created the conditions for you to start moving in that direction. And, you know, and that's a classic tale, right? Like if you, if you, they, I always say, uh, leaning into the future requires some sense of, I would say, uh, some, some, some semblance of privilege, if you will, right? Like the, the opportunity to oh, lean yeah. into the future and do something new is no, it's not available to everybody. Right. Um, no, definitely not. So like, I think right. I think that's that's uh, like that's a massive part of this, and I think also uh, a piece of why why you do find uh, a quite a bit of, of foreign uh, entrepreneurs across Africa as well is that there is a there is a privilege in terms of safety net. Like if it doesn't work out, yeah, and like yeah, if everything doesn't work out, you just go back home. And like particularly being mm -hmm. Danish, like then like we have a, a, a an incredible. Um, social system that just means that even if I go mm. back to school, I'll still get paid. Uh, like it's not right. about going back and paying for school. It's about going back to school right. and get paid. That's really, that's, that's really the, that's the fallback. Um, yeah. And so, yeah. and then yeah. like, and, and culturally, like obviously also pressure from home and all that kind of stuff. Like when we're at the fund, when I was working at the fund, the few months I was there, we, we invested in some incredible, incredible Kenyan entrepreneurs and, and many of them created an amazing business in two, three months. But when money starts running out, uh, the pressure is on in a different way for them than it was exactly. for me. Exactly, culturally, and, yes, and, yes. And that's just, yeah, both culturally and financially. Like, there is, right. like, if you invest in the best people, they come from the best schools, they owe maybe, or maybe even have student loans, uh, or at least feel like they owe family members and so on, some sort of giving right. back. And, and, and that baggage, um, I was extremely privileged to not have. Um, and, right. and that's, right. that's, right. An, that's a, that's an amazing, that's an amazing uh, thing that I had. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, actually, and I'll just kind of chime in here. And I, I don't know if you know what we do, but uh, I, I set up a, uh, something similar to 88MPH, Impact Africa Network. And it's yeah. designed to solve these problems for our young talent, yeah. right? So I, I spent years in Silicon Valley. And in 2018, I, I decided to move back after seeing that there was a significant challenge for our young talents to get involved in this innovation, to lean into the future, if you will. And yeah. um, I came to kind of say, hey, how can I actually be part of solving that problem? And we set up Impact Africa to solve the problem of uh, allowing our young people to get into the game, uh, to lean into the future, to work on projects, to, 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 to test ideas and to put stuff out there into the market. So, um, you know, we've been doing this for to be three years in January and we have some interesting projects on the build. I think using your using you as a benchmark, we got six more years before we, we go before we uh, we list anywhere or have any kind of uh, meaningful success. But we are really excited about uh, what we're building. Um, but yeah, I mean that's amazing. That's that's yeah. It it really it, it comes down to practicality, right? At the end of the day, Martin, right? Definitely. Um, the challenge with our market here is people, you know, our young people are being told to become entrepreneurs and innovators, but there are no support structures. You know, structurally, yeah. financially, culturally, so it's 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 impossible. It's it's the gap between somebody coming out of university here 
and actually launching a project and sticking with it out, you've seen it. Yeah. It's it's a chasm. It's 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 almost impossible for the average person. No, definitely. But there's also another thing, and I, I so I, I'm uh, yeah I'm very comfortable um, also talking about these differences and sort of how it's 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 different and for for different people. But I think one thing that has luckily changed a lot in the last ten years is that back then we didn't have many success stories out of Africa mm -hmm, as well. Mm -hmm. And I think yes. as an entrepreneur, like so Skype is Danish, Spotify is Swedish. So I, I was a kid when I read in the newspaper that the guy who started Skype has made, I don't know, $44 billion or whatever, Danish kronos or whatever it was. It was a lot of money mm -hmm. um, from his business at home, from IT, right? And right. having heard stories like that makes you wake up in the morning and think that could be me. And if you, don't have, yeah. if you don't have those stories, then, then it's hard to motivate yourself. It's by the sky. <laughs> exactly. And so, so, so I think as a, like, entrepreneurship is a ridiculous thing to do. And it's, it's crazy and it's hard. And it's, 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 it's a lot of sleepless nights. And so mm -hmm. the reward in your head really has to be big. Like that dream, whatever it might be that you think it becomes, it has to be really big to, to make you right. stupid enough to go through that journey. And, and right. so I think, luckily, we have more and more. We don't have nearly enough. We don't have enough from East Africa, especially. Uh, but we have many in yeah. the building or in the, in, the, in the sort of pipeline. And we have a lot of guys who um, are returning back home as well and has, has seen it and done different things elsewhere. Um, obviously, here in Nigeria, the last year has changed everything in that regard. Like, I think one year, of, uh, one year of a number of exits has changed it. Um, and I think also our IPO... Um, uh, had a big impact on that. I know that there's a number of funds who who told me afterwards that the reason why they couldn't really get involved in creative businesses was because they didn't have any benchmarks within the creative businesses in mm -hmm. Africa. Now they mm -hmm. have one. Mm -hmm. And one might not mm -hmm. make them say yes or no, but at least it's one data point that they can go back to their mm -hmm. board and say, uh, their investment committee and say, yeah. this is a creative business. This is what they're doing. This is what they're worth. Uh, so yeah. if we're getting evaluation that's competitive to that one, it's a good one. And then there can be yeah, some decisions fantastic. can be made. Mm -hmm. it's, all, it's narrative driven at the end of the day life is story 100%. right 100%. <laughs> I mean there's, there's nothing else more to it than that it's just the stories we can tell and create in a sense uh, so so let's talk about your nine years I mean um, so you're you're 21 year old taking a break from school you've, the stars have aligned you have you have the support structure and everything so you're taking a run at this so if you look back at the nine years could you yeah. uh, in some way uh, create some distinctive windows of time or or um, phases that you went through as a business, and maybe talk yeah. about it through that 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 uh, structure. Yeah, um, definitely. So I think there was um, there's a few different moments um, that 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 I think is 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 uh, is very significant for the story. I think the first one is probably after a year or so where. Um, for the first year, we were, we were trying to sell music on scratch cards. So similar to Airtime, okay. you'd buy a voucher. Okay. Uh, yeah. You'd buy a voucher with M-Pesa or whatever, and then you scratch, and then you can download five songs from that code. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So the, the idea was that we would give these scratch cards to the musicians. Musicians could then sell them at 100% profit. Ah. So if you are a musician okay. and you sell this card, you can use it as CDs. And then, um, like sort of like, a, or a, a, you can sell it, and then your fans can can download more music uh, from the site by 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 paying with M-Pesa. And then those extra sales, we would then take a cut from. So the initial sale, mm -hmm. the artist could keep all the money, and then in the future, mm -hmm. the future sale, we will we will split the money with them. Um, so each musician and, had to have a site. Is that what had to happen, or was it? Uh, no, they they had to have their own card, and then we would know based on the code. Like you just go to mdunda.com, you fit in, you fit in the, the, the code and we would know which artists you bought access to. Like an, um, like a, like a, like an NFT kind of. Like a... Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I don't, you didn't really get any ownership of it, but uh, you, could, you got access to the music. Um, right. And so that was the idea. Um, and it was actually working pretty well from a marketing perspective. I think the artists running around with these cards and and it was, a, I think it was a, a talk worthy business model. Like it made, it was a little mm -hmm. bit uh, dis disruptive. And I think it was something that people found interesting to talk about. So they actually got quite a lot of, mm -hmm. they've got a lot, quite a lot of buzz from it, but not a lot of value from it. No one really, like very quickly we realized that these scratch card businesses are nightmare, like printing and shipping and, 
unique codes wow, and yeah. it's a complete nightmare. Logistics. Um, <laughs> logistics is a nightmare. Uh, minimum order quantities of these cards was a nightmare. Like you give an artist oh, wow. 10,000 cards mm -hmm. and they're yeah. just starting out. Like they will never, they'll never get rid of them. You'll um, never get through, through this, them. The, the, the second issue was that many artists gave them away for free. They didn't sell them. So oh, wow. what we realized yeah. is that people are coming into our site. <laughs> yeah, people come into our site and they, like artists are not salespeople. They are creatives. And I think we yeah, didn't creatives. realize that at that point. Right. And so right. when someone has come in and been given songs, the chance of them being willing to buy is a lot less than if they've actually bought the first mm -hmm. one, right? So, mm -hmm. but on the flip side, we got a lot of interest from, from corporates. We got a partnership with Samsung and, and Microsoft in the first six months, really. And so mm. um, we sort of what decided to pivot. What partnerships? What, what, what did they uh, one, with, one, one with Samsung was when you buy a phone, you get five free songs. So you sort of ah, get songs okay. from, from that and, and Samsung would pay for the songs yeah. to us. So we would mm -hmm. make some money from it. And for Microsoft, Microsoft was pushing this For Africa initiative, which was a phone specifically made for Africa, and they wanted to have apps on it. So they wanted to develop uh, and did some cost sharing with us in terms of some apps for Microsoft. Um, and so after about a year, we sort of we were evaluating our business and just saying, well, we have a lot of traction from artists who want to do this. And we have a lot of traction from brands who want to do this, but not a lot of users. And I sort of uh, quite heavily... Uh, lobbied for that we do a free service then uh, because we, advertisers want to be a part of music and mm -hmm. musicians want to find new revenue streams and we can't get the users to pay for it but uh, we'll have to figure that out some other way um, and so we pivoted the business after about a year so in, towards the end of 2013 and I sort of I think that was the moment where I sort of said okay I'm running this business like for the last year mm -hmm. it was sort of like it was me who was spending the most time, time on it, but we were a lot of people involved and we hadn't really allocated hats who's doing what. But, and I was going back to school, right? I was supposed to go back to school. So this is sort of the time where I made peace with the fact that, okay, now this is like, I suggested the pivot. I pushed for the pivot. I have to take responsibility for it. Like now it's out of a sudden mind. Um, and so I, I, I sort of took that role actively. Um, and luckily it, 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 it was a good, match i think uh, like i think you can always look at things in hindsight uh, but i think it was good to to do it um so, so i mean in, in, so i guess yeah. the question who was involved in the first year like you sounds like there's a, there's a few people who are who are running around uh, so tell us right. about that founding story was it the same people who are the, the fund manager the, the funder investor right right who, who was involved so so the founding team is five people it's myself uh, it's my uh, three colleagues um whereas one of them uh, was the fund owner, one of them was mm -hmm. the fund manager, and one of them was the fund CTO, and then myself. Oh, so wow. it's basically, okay. like how you have to imagine it is, we're sitting around a dining table. It actually wasn't my idea in the first place. We're sitting around the dining table. Mm -hmm. uh, people are talking about music. People are talking about uh, Africa, Denmark, and we start mm -hmm. shaping this mm -hmm. idea in our head, and we start mm -hmm. spending a little bit more time on it, and maybe we meet a musician, we meet a brand, and sort of mm -hmm. slowly just start thinking this can, this can happen. And the fifth mm. person is a, the fifth person is a, so the, the, the three colleagues, myself, and the fifth person is a Kenyan musician uh, called Frasha, who was about, mm. part of a, a band, always part of a band called P-Unit that was very, very big at that time and, and still is, is doing mm. very well. Um, mm. And they, he sort of had an insight around the music industry. He, he knew some mm. of my co-founders, and so that's how he got introduced. Um, and so... Everyone else but me was very heavily involved in other things. So I was kind of the one who had yeah. the most time on my hands. And therefore, uh, I started spending the most time on it. And we then took Mdundo into the accelerator program, which was 88 miles per hour. So I went through that sort of three-month program together with other entrepreneurs yeah. and got right. that initial, uh, this initial was 25,000 US dollar funding. I, I, I sort of got that and started sort of trying to start mm -hmm. a business around that. And then, so the, so the team working on it full-time was myself and then two or three other guys who we sort of hired to be in part of the mm -hmm. team. Um, mm -hmm. Some, like a big part of going through an accelerator program also is you meet other people. So there's some of the people who I met who were either from uh, Kenya or from elsewhere in Africa or globally uh, sort of a part of the program who I worked with on the project as well at times to sort of see is that a good fit or do they want to be a part of this story? Um, right. But it ended up, and ended up sort of being mostly uh, myself who sort of carried it forward, and then my 
the, the, my, co my co-founder who was the CTO of the fund is our lead developer and has been now the lead developer. Um, he's not been full-time mm -hmm. committed to it, um, but has sort of helped me with the first MVP, uh, finding out mm -hmm. how we design it, finding out how we build it, because I'm not very technical myself. So he's probably the one who's been the most involved. And then in the early days, the two other guys, the, the fund, fund manager and the fund owner, was very involved um, on a board level, but like board meeting every week, every month kind of thing in the early days. Yeah, right. like you want to find yeah. out what are you doing, and and they were the they were very much the voice of reasoning when it comes to business case, uh, business mm -hmm. modeling, uh, what are we doing, what's the market like? Like they had that experience, so I was right. I felt like I had a very strong team, but I was the only one working nine to five on it. Mm. or whatever mm. eight to eight more mm. like it mm. <laughs> so, so 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 you go through your first year and you you pivot your business model hey we're gonna go uh advertising route and then and then what yeah. happened so then um we were running out of our initial funding i probably already had run out of it i think we had a few months where we sort of had to cover ourselves we luckily had this deal with samsung that gave us a bit more runway but we are talking very low burn like we are pretty much right. uh like one co-founder is building the, the tech. The other one was me sort of running around doing things. And uh, that was pretty much it in terms of costs at that point. I guess one of the benefits of being a part of an accelerator is that some of the guys who had invested in the fund started following the different businesses. And I got along with one mm -hmm. of them, uh, Jesper, who I think just sort of liked what we were doing, saw the opportunity and wanted to maybe get more involved in some of the businesses in the fund and decided or agreed to put a little bit more funding in together with a few of the other, and, and dragged along a few of the other guys from the fund, one of them being a, a founder as well. Um, and the reason why I'm mentioning Jesper specifically was that he then, uh, a little bit later, so I think in the beginning of 2014, took over as the board, uh, uh, chairman of the board from uh, the founding member um, and became a very, very strong supporter of the business since then, uh, both in terms of mm -hmm. raising money uh, but also my own Malthus uh, uh, sort of mental saneness um, mm -hmm. and sort of understanding what is it that we are building and not building. Um, right. And so, so, so he has become a really strong figure and was also a very big part of, of the IPO last year um, and still is today a very big part of, of, of running the business, um, even though he's, he's not involved on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, but I, I, I feel extremely fortunate to have met someone early on who uh, believed in the same vision believed that there was more value in it than what you can see in the bank, because that's often the case mm -hmm. with a startup, um, <laughs> and believed that we have, we have the ability to go through with this. So, so that, like, if he hadn't sort of come in, then I, I really uh, doubt that there would be a, a business today. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's, yeah. That, that's amazing. I mean, it, it, people always underestimate how important to have the right people around to actually make it through, figure things out. And, and completely just, and just make it happen. Yeah. So completely. I think maybe something like so. So also as com compared to the audience that also listens to this, I think what, one question I get a lot is how did you feel find all these amazing people like when you when you go through this journey? Mm -hmm. And I think the reality is that and maybe it sounds a bit weird, but at the time there weren't these amazing people. At the time it didn't feel <laughs> like it. Like at these at the time it felt like they were all annoying. They wanted more. <laughs> They took past that they took shares into your business. They took equity. They thought you're not doing well enough. Uh, they weren't supporting you. They were only spending 2% of their time. And they had so much to say every time you meet them. Like at the time, I probably got, as I, they were, I was equally frustrated as most other people. But, um, right. but when you get through it and you sort of get out on the other yeah. end, what you remember is like these amazing people who've been there for you because the other ones mm -hmm. who weren't there for you in the end obviously they are mm -hmm. not a part of the story any longer right even if there were some yeah. of them as well um mm -hmm. so i just think like finding good investors uh, and i sort of say that as a sort of yeah a good investor is sort of i don't think it ever exists in the early days you're always fighting over something mm -hmm. or like mm -hmm. because you you give someone a chunk of your business which makes you feel like okay why why is he taking that like it's you probably feel right. like he might, he might be taking too much and he right. feels like he's giving your money into something that he has no idea he'll never make back and so it's just it's bound to be a toxic <laughs> relationship <laughs> yeah it's like it's bound to be a toxic relationship so there's no like no investor no whatever where at some point there is some there's something you're wondering okay why is he saying that or why is it being like that? Mm. Or why is, mm. but in the end of the day, like when you get through with things uh, and you look back at it, it becomes very obvious how they were like, that they were trying to push you in a certain 
direction or trying to protect their investment or trying to like there is often a reason for it and and those who stick along for the long run uh were also has also made more peace with the fact that it was a very risky investment and they had made peace with the yeah. fact that the, this is something i they wanted to be they a part of as well uh, no matter yeah they could lose their money um mm -hmm. so i just wanted to highlight that because it it's so easy to kind of tell you about all these amazing people that i've met over the years and then when you're sitting there yourself starting a business you're wondering well where are these where are these people like i've looked for them <laughs> they're nowhere to be found and so uh, they become better over time they become better over right. time <laughs> and so that's that's actually leads us to the next question so at what point in the journey did things uh kind of start to work I don't think that ever happens. Like I know it's, I know I, I don't think that it, like that that never happens. Like you, you always want more, right? Like you always. Right. Like, a part of dreaming is that it's a dream, and that dream is always big, and you achieve eighty percent of it, seventy percent of it, and it's always it's already amazing, but you imagine the whole dream. So there's always something missing in my like that's always been my experience. Um, okay. I think I guess maybe I think from for me. Too... Sorry, go on. No, go ahead. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, I think for me, um, what's always been important in terms of sort of motivation and keep going, moving forward is that I, I, I feel like I learn and I do something new this year than I was doing last year. And I feel like there's tangible, there's something tangible that I can say, this is what I have achieved in the last six months, mm -hmm. one year. This is something that I can actually go like go home and brag about because then it mm -hmm. sort of makes you, it puts you at, it checks that you're not going insane. Uh, and I think right. that to me has been been what sort of kept me going. Um, I think I think we were we were very early on. We had a very good market product market fit in terms of users very early on. So that's obviously exciting. Mm -hmm. Like when you start seeing something mm -hmm. scale, when you start seeing right. uh, artists users, joining and yeah. users joining, like mm. I think it took a year and a half to get to a hundred thousand users, and a year later you have a hundred thousand a day or something like that. It starts that's becoming it starts becoming really yeah. exciting, um, yeah. and and that's mm. that's exciting. But I think the part that, especially in the early days, was really a big fight was the commercial part of it. Like we had mm -hmm. tons of users, but we were not we were not even close to break even and covering any of no our one. costs whatsoever. So yeah. we were heavy. Mm. We've been heavily depending on funding throughout the journey, mm. Um, mm. and 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 also a bit on like obviously intentional. Like we knew what we were. Or we, we we had a plan. Uh, but that plan did not involve uh, any sort of profitability, and that that's mm. that's a that's a that's a that's a big pressure. And, and that's actually leads me to the next question: the business model, right? Um, you know, Spotify ten dollars a month. Uh, I think in I, I think they're charging six dollars a month here. Or I, I don't know what it is. Three, but uh, <laughs> three dollars. I have I have the US subscription, so I probably need to change that uh, since yep. you know I used to live there many years. So. What's your model? Is it a subscription model as well? Or is it per song? Or how do you guys make money? Um, so again, yeah, so there's a there's different version of that. It depends on if it's uh, back then or now. Um, the model now is that it's a free service. Anyone can go online, mm -hmm. go to mtundu.com, download music. We then rev generate revenue from advertisement. And we share 50% of that revenue back to the artist. The artist has a login where they can see every download they have and how much the money they are earning and they can withdraw that cash into mobile money. So the idea is exactly. to put money in the pocket of the artist quickly, let them get them transparent view of how much they have earned and users are getting easy access to, to music. Um, we have then in the last year introduced a number of uh, telco products, which are paid products. So uh, you started out by mentioning MTN. Uh, so we have MTN and Airtel here in Nigeria and Vodacom in, in Tanzania which is a paid product where you subscribe. So in Tanzania, you pay the equivalent of, I think, four shil Kenyan shillings a day. Uh, and then you can access um, exclusive content. So it's not the ad-free version that's the value proposition. The value proposition is that you get content that you were not available if you didn't pay. And that content mm -hmm. is mixes. It's like mixtapes, DJ mixes of different ah, sort okay. that we create ourselves. Okay. So we create gospel okay. mixes, uh, hip-hop mixes, reggae mixes, uh, tarab mixes, um, mm. uh, Kikuyu gospel mixes, like very sort of uh, whatever you taste Esoteric. you have, you can find very something niche, you like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very niche. That's, that's, um, how do you produce this? Do you do you go to DJs and uh, freelance we, DJs? We have, uh, like have in-house DJs. We have someone is hired to be a DJ. Yeah, it's a pretty cool job. You just uh, <laughs> sit around, mix mix uh, mix music all day and release it. 
Um, but yeah, but pretty... DJs tend to be very genre driven. So how do I go yeah. from Kikui gospel to like Tarab? I mean, yeah. How do you... So 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 we do work with some different freelancers here and there to get that right mm -hmm. um, because you do want to get mm -hmm. that local feel of it. Um, but it is essentially controlled by ourselves and is our own content okay. and we create it. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so the reason why I was saying that the, the product kind of depends on when you ask is that uh, we talked about it before, sort of, or we started, started by talking about, okay, this is Spotify sort of copied into to Africa. And mm -hmm. that was the idea. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But what's, what was really interesting for me was around uh, like a handful of years ago, so I think 2018, 2017, I started realizing that what that really means. Like, what that means is that we are trying to create the same thing in Africa that Spotify has created in the Western world. What it doesn't mean is yeah. that the product has to be the same. And I think mm -hmm. that took me a very long time. Like, I think mm -hmm. you spend so much time telling customers to, 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 to consume music like people do with Spotify. <coughs> Uh, instead, like, and which is which is customer development, which is extremely difficult and very expensive. Like teaching a customer how to do things is very very difficult, <laughs> and they, they don't want to do that. And the second the second we started saying, you know what, that's not the goal. The, what Spotify did was Spotify looked at how are people consuming music. Let's make that in a in a way that is legal. And mm. when we started thinking like that and looking at our audience, we were like, well, how are people consuming music across Africa? Can we make that process legal so that the customer doesn't feel like they are they are doing something different or doing something like they don't feel like they are losing by jumping from whatever illegal alternative they are using into us seamless and then, experience from that to this exactly and then at the same time add value to the ecosystem that's now right. when we started seeing a proper product market fit and i probably spent five years too many trying to think I knew the product market fit, the market doesn't know, <laughs> rather than thinking, um, the market what, are, what are people yeah. doing? Yeah, what is it people are doing? Like, how are people consuming music? And then that's a, uh, yeah. build something around that. That's a huge, huge lesson. And uh, I always say, <laughs> you know, present company, obviously not included. I always say, you know, the best businesses will be built by natives because they have that, you know what I'm saying? They're in the vein of why my cousin is not going to do that. You know what I'm saying? No, definitely. Because they, they no, understand definitely. the dynamics. And, um, well, including the present. Yeah. Not myself. Not myself, but I was fortunate enough to work with a, a bunch of amazing Kenyans and, and Nigerians now and people who were around me who understand the market, right? Right, right. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the, the thing about you, you are able to actually finally kind of make that shift, which means you are growing every year and learning and never felt that there's something's wrong with this market. It was like, you were still trying to figure it out even five years into it or whatever that was. And that's kudos to you. Yeah. That's what, that's what great entrepreneurship is about, right? It's really about figuring out the nature of the problem deeply uh, in a, in a local context. Um, so kudos to you. So congratulations on that again. Um, so, I mean, like, as we wrap up here, I mean, there's so many things we could talk about, right? Uh, I, have so, I have so many questions. Maybe the last few questions are so biggest challenge. We talked about the challenges, right? Uh, you know, not knowing if your investors are friendly or enemies or, you know, that whole challenge of building the uncertainty, having no business model. So a lot of challenges there. But is there anything else that you want to, you know, point to that the audience can take away in terms of, you know, uh, the challenges of building that you want to kind of leave the audience with and also lessons learned in that journey that, that you that people can take away. Right. Well, so I definitely, and like it sounds like a cliche, but I do think it's really important to do something that you're passionate about. Um, I know that I would have probably made more money if I started doing a fintech business, but I would mm -hmm. not have made it this far uh, mm -hmm. because I would just not, I'll just get bored. Like if you don't, mm -hmm. if you're not passionate yeah. about the industry you're in and if you don't, if you don't want to read and don't want to learn, like I, there's very many boring parts of building a business. Making a licensing agreement for artists is not the most fun. Reviewing terms and conditions <laughs> is not the most fun. Uh, right. And all that, all that stuff will not happen. Like you'll not put your mind to it unless you're really excited about the business that you're in. And when you're excited about the industry you're in, then it becomes it almost becomes exciting to learn about the terms and conditions it's a, and it's a labor of uh, the licensing it's, agreements. It's, yeah. And you know where it's taking you. You know it's going to make sure that next time you're having a conversation with someone, you know something they didn't know. Like, right, you know, you can right. see where that's going to take you and, and how that builds on you as a person. And I think that's 
that's really important. Um, and so, so if you do, like I do think, and, and maybe I'm, uh, maybe it's a, a bad advice. I don't know. I do think that it's important to, to maybe ignore where all the bigger trends are in terms of what kind of business people want to invest in and all that stuff. Like mm -hmm. we take mm -hmm. none of the boxes the ever. Uh, we never is, take is the, the box. The most, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. FinTech yeah. is the most uh, obvious thing to build in Africa right now. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Like, and if you don't, I guess I can understand, like if you don't, like I know that most funds are looking for fintech, edtech, those kind of spaces. And it is easier to get the attention of them if you do. And it is harder to raise money if you don't. And like that includes ourselves. Um, but 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 if you if you really don't, if you don't really have that drive to build it, then you won't you won't get that money anyway. Yeah, um, so it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, mm -hmm. So either don't do it, don't do it and do something completely else or work for someone who knows how to do it, if that's what you want, <laughs> or then I'll find something that you're actually passionate about. Um, mm -hmm. I think I think that's really important. Uh, I, I, I definitely think so. Um, mm -hmm. Fantastic. And then no, the, the, the other, my, to... sorry, go on. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say my other, my other point sort of is that sort of, and I, I don't know if I made that point already very clear in terms of finding something tangible that, that sort of makes you sane. Like the, the few times where I've sort of been like the most, I wouldn't say depressed, but where I, I felt like, okay, this is not, this is not what I want to do is when, when, if there's six or 12 months that has been running where I can't put my finger on something that I have learned or done differently or achieved within that period right. that I could write right. on a piece of paper, because it's easy to chase a dream. But I think being able to look back and say, well, I did a, like, so in my first year, we did a deal with Coca-Cola or Samsung before and mm -hmm. also Coca-Cola thereafter on advertising. Right. And if I had, if we had stopped at that point, I could still go to my next employer and say, well, I've built something from scratch and Coca-Cola bought advertisement from me. Whether or not that was mm -hmm. successful or whatever it was, whatever the business fails or whatever it was, I could, that, no one can take that away from me. Right. And so I think for right. my own sanity, that has always been really important that I had like the, a long period of time cannot move past where I can put something that I can mm. go with to my next employer because that gives mm. me the safety of that I'm not making myself unemployable uh, yeah. and that when everything fails, I can still get a job somewhere and I still have that safety. And, and I think especially starting something in your 20s uh, with a, as little work experience that I, as I had, that was a really big scare quite often that right. uh, if I keep going like this, um, I'm completely going to be unemployable because right. I'm going to have I'm going to be 30 and have never done anything else but my own business. Who's going to Who's going to hire right. someone like that? <laughs> well, in, in this day and age, I think probably that has changed because every company is trying to become innovative. Uh, if they have any common sense, they should definitely hire somebody like that uh, because <laughs> yeah, I guess so. The world is moving too fast. It's moving too fast for uh, a classic approach uh, to, to to solving problems and to staying relevant. Um, so a couple of final questions in total in the nine years, how much did you raise? Cause I know at some point, I think you raised uh, a couple of years ago, you raised quite a big round from Chinese, a Chinese venture firm or something like that. I remember hearing that on the news. What, what's, right. what was the total raise that you did before IPO total amount raised? I, I, I remember, like, I think the total was 1.6 million, um, for that nine year period or eight year period, I guess. Um, so, so not a, a not a ton of money. Um, oh, wow. Okay. The biggest round was uh, in 2018, and then uh, when when the one you're mentioning uh, is probably Keppel, who got involved uh, six months before the IPO, um, so relatively early on when we already had that sort of uh, in the in the in the in the in the eyesight. Um, but the bigger round, the biggest round we did was actually 2018, and it was a bunch of angels. Uh, we raised most majority of our money from angel investors throughout, and I think. Uh, a big part of that was that it was difficult for us to find funds that understood Africa and music. It was easy to find mm -hmm. people who understand Africa, but they wouldn't mm -hmm. want to touch music. And it's easy to find mm -hmm. people who understand music, but they wouldn't want to touch Africa. So we sort of fell in between yeah. those two. And, You're outside uh, the nexus. <laughs> we, were, we were exactly outside the, the ticking the boxes. Um, and so that is tough. Like building a business that's outside those boxes can be difficult. Um, I think what kept us going, of course, was that Everyone we talked to who understood Africa thought it was really cool. They just didn't want to understand. I guess they could see what we we're doing. Like, if you talk to any fund in Africa and you tell them we, we had at that time already a few million active users every month, they were very impressed. They're like, there's not right. almost none, you know, no other business that has this kind of user traction. 
we just don't we understand don't, the whole yeah. music space. Mm -hmm. um, and and the, on the flip side, like when we talked to, to, to music funds globally and media funds, they were really exciting about the traction we had. We worked already at that time with more than 50,000, at the point of IPO, I think 90,000 uh, African artists. And we had a lot of traction and knowledge and understanding of the music industry that, that they didn't have. And so, so I think what made it exciting besides despite not being able to attract the right funding uh, was that we found that both camps really liked what we were doing. There was just no one mm. who was doing both. Um, mm. So that's, 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 the, that's the funding. Um, I think like obviously 1.6 over a period of nine years um, also is maybe a wake-up call for some who might not have a very well-funded business that you don't have to burn a ton of cash. You I think uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, live, live your life in a way that's very affordable. Uh, if you really want to do this, find people who believe in the same vision as you. The kind of people you end up paying too much are the ones that you regret uh, and the ones that you That's that true. didn't really care That's about true. their money uh, and who joined you four days a week because you couldn't afford to pay them five. Uh, I had some like that and they were amazing. Like They took no money and they put a lot of time into it because they wanted to be able to do their own side hustle on Fridays or whatever uh, so that it could actually feed themselves. Um, like... It's, it's not easy, and, and this is, if you're talking all the way up until 2018, and even thereafter, all the way up until 2020, um, it's, it's, it's a long period of time to believe yes. that things will get better. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, again, I can only uh, advise that when you go through something like that, make sure that you feel good about it stopping. Uh, I think that has always been my biggest comfort. You need to be able to uh, be honest with yourself and say, well, if this stopped now, uh, was it worth it? And uh, because it's, it's, a, it's, a real, it's a real possibility when you're running a loss-making mm -hmm. business. Man, Martin, I love that. I love the idea of 1.6 million over eight years. That is bottoms up, grind it out, you know, figure it out and move the ball forward. Just live within your means. That's, that's building a business in Africa, man. That's the opposite of, <laughs> of what everybody <laughs> else is talking about. That is yeah, so exciting. Yeah, no. I, I, I love that. <laughs> Building a business is about staying alive. It's not about raising a ton of money. It's about staying alive and make sure you push the needle every month, every year. Every, and then, every day. Then, uh, <laughs> yeah, every day. I push the needle and stay alive. Those are the two priorities. <laughs> make sure you're not where you were yesterday and make sure you're still alive. That's, that's the two things <laughs> that's, you do. That's it. That's it. Until and you have fun alive. along the way if, if, if you can. Man. And if you get good people around you and people who want to be in, in, the, in the business with you, who want to chase the 100%. mission with you, that... That makes it. That makes you keep waking up every day and coming back and, and no, chasing it. It's, you know, so so kudos to you. 100%. So at, at some point, were you thinking that uh, Spotify would, would would acquire you guys? Was that part of the vision of your exit strategy? Yeah, of course. You have to have a dream, and um, I think a big part of that dream is maybe changing the industry and being a part of something more rewarding. Right. But a part of that dream for most entrepreneurs is also making the big buck. And uh, yeah. laughing uh, all the way to the bank, and and right. obviously um, whether that's uh, Spotify or uh, any other sort of business that would be interesting in what we are doing at some point, mm -hmm. of course that's mm -hmm. a part of the that's a part of the reward, um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and uh, that that's 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 obviously obviously still the case. That's how you create value, right? That's how we create value for mm -hmm. for me and for our mm -hmm. people and for our uh, our um, mm -hmm. uh, investors. Um, obviously, the IPO main made sure that a lot of investors could, uh, if they have the guts, uh, withdraw their, their earnings already now, uh, they can. Um, and then it's obviously up to them to decide if they'll lose out on future value or not. Uh, if, they, if, they, if they want to be a part of it, then of course they can't sell now. They'll have to make a choice themselves. Uh, it's not, yes. that's, that's up to them. Um, and I guess that's one of the, one of the amazing things of being a, 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 a public company is that it's, the investors can decide themselves whether they think it's a good value or not. Um, or if they want to be a, a part of the of the next stage of value creation or not. So, man, um, I guess are you breathing easier now than, than the first nine years, next first eight years? Like, where are you, you at? Know, uh, you know, Mark, I, I'm not even sure to be honest. Like, uh, <laughs> like you do, but and it's again like such a cliche thing to say, and like I I, I hated people who say these things when you when you are through the journey because. You're just looking at someone who's made it, and then he says he has bigger problems now. But it's the reality, man. Like <laughs> when you, like it's there's just no other way to say it. It's it's not it's not easier. Um, I think I think what what changed was that I don't feel like I owe anyone 
and I felt like mm-hmm. I did before. I felt like the monkeys I'm, I'm off your back, basically. Yeah, I, I feel that. Like, I feel like if it's up to, to the investor themselves if they think it's a good or a bad thing uh, to sell now. Mm-hmm. It's not my mm-hmm. choice. Um, but it's funny because I spoke to a number of the investors the following week about this exact thing. And some of them would tell me they never felt like I owed them something. And I've been walking around for years feeling like I owed them something because they knew what they were saying yes to, right? They wanted to be a part right. of the journey. Um, right. They paid, that was, their, that was their ticket to ride, right? That was that investment. And so, uh, yeah, I sort of feel like that has come off my back. But then on the flip side, now, you, now we have 3,000 investors who I promised something. And who oh, wow. I have promised and, and, and next part of the journey. And um, when we were a smaller business, I could always excuse that we didn't have much funding. And uh, now that's not an excuse any longer. Uh, mm-hmm. Like now you sort of have, you don't have unlimited tools because I know that if you look at the likes of Boomplay and Spotify and Apple Music, like their, their pockets are in, like, infinitely bigger than mine. Uh, then right. they can't even compare. Uh, I, I, all the funding we've ever raised, including in the IPO, is way smaller than their first rounds. Um, mm-hmm. So we know, like, of course, I don't have that sort of uh, uh, strength. But, but that being said, I know that, like, I have a lot of tools in the toolbox that I didn't have in the past. And now you just mm-hmm. have to figure it out. And, and like, I feel extremely blessed and fortunate that I found some amazing people in the last year who is carrying that for me. Uh, we've, we've, we've done really, really well uh, and, done, and done what we've expected. Uh, we've gotten a number of, of amazing telco partnerships up and running. Uh, we have amazing, uh, amazing user numbers. Uh, our last reported numbers for June was uh, was 8.7 million, up from from five uh, the year before. So so monthly active users. Um, uh, we've had a lot of traction in terms of um, advertisement sales. So we announced uh, one of our biggest advertisement deal uh, today, uh, a few weeks ago, a few months ago with Sport Pesa in Tanzania. And so I and then obviously all this is not me doing it. There's some amazing people in each of these teams who mm-hmm. are who are doing it, and 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 that's. That's, I'm extremely proud of that, um, but it is the bar also just keeps rising, and that's that's it. Like yeah. out of a sudden, out of a sudden, making a few like a few years ago, I could be happy if I made a few advertisement deals that month. Now I can't. Now you have to make one a day before it's exciting, like because <laughs> the, but like you know you're a bigger business now. You invested higher. more money. Yeah. yeah, you'll come back to someone who invested twenty thousand dollars ten years ago and tell him now you're making twenty thousand a month, and he'll be like, yeah, but you also spend a lot, like. I think, um, yeah. uh, like it's easy to it's this easy to build a unicorn if you're spending a unicorn, right? Like it kind of <laughs> the bar also the bar comes thereafter. Right, you better you better build a unicorn if you're spending a unicorn. Uh, hey, listen, exactly. <laughs> Martin, it's been fantastic speaking with you. I love the authenticity, uh, pure grit, grind. You know, just a real driver. I mean, if nothing was handed to you. You know, obviously you, you had the, the opportunity, but you chased it and you made it happen. And that is so inspiring. And that's what life is really about, right? And so kudos to you. Keep keep being awesome. Keep doing what you're doing. I think in terms of music and artists and culture in Africa, I mean, I there's, and somebody who loves that stuff, you couldn't be in a better continent to do what you're doing if you love it. I mean, the first time I heard about Ndundo, I was like, oh, my goodness, this, this is a fantastic uh, play. And um you know, I could ask you so many questions. I, I did, did. Did Daniel Eck ever invest, or 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 did he ever <laughs> reach out to him? Is it on your on your cap table ever? Um, well, so I do think that the reward of building something in a space that is not so crowded is that you get access to, like, you mm-hmm. become very quick. It's easy to be the one who knows the most when no one else mm-hmm. is doing it. Right. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I, I have never, I've never met Daniel Egg, but I've, uh, I've met some, some really cool people at Spotify who were very early on in the journey. I met some cool people at, at the big record labels, Universal, Sony, who are just mm-hmm. like kick-ass people who have done mm-hmm. amazing stuff. And I, and I do think that uh, it is one of the rewards of doing something in a space that's less crowded. I'm sure if I was building right. another fintech business, it would be harder for me to get to meet the guys, the top guys at PayPal or whatever the dream is um, right. when you're in that space. Um, right. But if you're in music, like there's not that many people who knows the space and knows it very well. And it's, it's easier mm-hmm. to stand out. And, and from a pure ego perspective, that's, that's pretty cool and something that I, that yeah. I definitely enjoy. Fantastic. Hey, listen, we're going to cu- sh- shut it down right now. I would have loved to talk about organizational development and how you build that. Maybe we'll do a part two because that also matters a lot. And I'm sure you can share bunch of insights on that in terms of how people can tackle that because it's, it's not yeah. so much just 
you know, this other story, it's like how you build a company, how you build an organization, the team and that culture and all that stuff. And, you know, the fact that you've done that, that's, a, that's another very important set of lessons that we can talk about next time. But uh, yeah, thanks so much it. for taking the time to be here, Martin. It's, it's fantastic. Um, thank you for taking no, Thanks the time. for having me. And thanks for listening to me for an hour for those who've, uh, who've listened <laughs> in. I hope I, hope, I hope I didn't waste your time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they'll enjoy it. They enjoyed it. Cool.